What's up, Life Point? How you guys doing? Come on, can we give it up for Jesus? Man, he's so good. So, so good. You guys look good. Man, we already had one incredible service at uh, 9 o'clock, and I'm thankful that you're here. Love this service. Let me welcome everybody joining us online. We're so glad you're here, too. No matter where you're at, you matter, and uh, you're being here. Uh, whether it's in your living room or not, we believe that you're, you're here with us today. So thanks for being part of the family. And, man, I, I missed you guys last week. Let me take just a minute to say thank you. Uh, I, I do not like missing this. Well, my family will, will tell you that. Anybody who knows me, I, I love this. I love getting together with my family. You guys are my family, so I never want to miss this opportunity. But had to go last week. My, my uncle did pass away, but don't worry. He knew Jesus well, and he's with the Lord. And so we were able to, to bury him and celebrate his life. And I've just been telling people, man, I'm trying to get where he's at. You know what I mean? Uh, in the Lord's time. You know, I'm not ready today. But in the Lord's time, we're all, we're all going to have an opportunity to get there and, and spend eternity with Jesus. So I'm excited about that. But I'm, I, I love the fact that I can just leave here and, and know that we have just amazing gospel people to, to run. How many enjoyed Pastor Gus last week bringing a good word? Love these guys, all, all of our team, musicians, and even you guys who help us week in and week out to, to make this happen. We can't do it without you. We love you guys. And what God has in store for us in the future is just, if it doesn't, if it doesn't thrill you, something's wrong. You need to snap out of it. And I know that 2020 was heavy, and I know that the beginning of 2021 was heavy too, but I don't, I'm not even going to focus on so much of that. I just want to change my attitude and say God is doing something, and he is, he is tapping into the hearts of those who will listen, and he is depositing to those hearts, the ones that are tuned in to his voice and his voice alone, and I hope that's you. And so we, we've jumped in here today, and we're continuing our series, and this message actually was added to the series. So I, put, I actually put it in and, and said... I want to add another week to that, and um, I'm going to I'm going to dig in a little bit today, because we've talked we've talked a little bit about you know packing the temple, right? Do you not know you're the temple of the Holy Spirit, right? We we talked about that the first week. Then we talked about packing your head with good thoughts, Philippians four, whatsoever things are lovely, pure, honest, of a good report, excellent, praiseworthy. Think on these things, fix your thoughts on these things. We talked about that. Pastor Gus last week was talking about the heart, how important that is. And today I want to talk a little bit about clearing house, really, clearing house. And so if you've got your Bibles, I want you to jump over to the book of Matthew in chapter 21. And for those who don't know me, my name is Rich. I'm the lead pastor here. And I take this very seriously. Like I'm, I goof around a lot. I mean, staff will tell you that. My friends and family will tell you that. But when it comes to the gospel, I get serious. Um, we have a good time in here on Sundays. We're going to continue to do that, but I do take this seriously, and a lot of times I, I, I push in, and I'm a little intense, and I don't apologize for that, because I think this is a season where we need to feel some intensity about the, the, the pressure of, of getting things right, not that we can get it right, but that we would just be obedient to what the Lord is saying and what he is doing, and digging into his word, and finding out what exactly he wants from me in this season, because he wants something from you, and essentially he just wants you. Right? And we're so resistant to that a lot. But before I get going too much, I want, in a minute I'm going to tell you a story about Jesus coming in and doing some things, um, cleaning house. But I want to, I want to call this church to a fast this week. Let me explain just a little bit. Typically, you know, in the past we've done the 21 days of prayer and fasting at the beginning of the year. And I just felt something different this year. And I knew, 
next week's message I've been sitting on for a while. Um, and, and, and I think we're, we're coming to a point where I, I want to get this, and I've tried to tell you guys that God wants to do something more in your life, that it's, it's more than just a service or a box that we check off or just an attendance thing that we do, but God wants to rule and reign. We just sang it, but I want you to live it every single day, that you reign above it all, God, that we, we experience that in the car and in the office and wherever you're at, and, and I, I want to get this right. And so the fast that I'm calling us to is, is for a week. And you're like, what's a fast? <laughs> and, and fasting is essentially pushing yourself down. You're subtracting you so that you can have more of God in your life. Now, traditionally, it's been food. I recognize some of you might have some things, uh, ailments or something that, that uh, keep you from, from doing that. Um, but most of you don't. Most of you don't. And when we do without food, immediately, or when I talk about doing without food, immediately people are like, won't I get hungry? <laughs> and I go, Yes, you will. It's not just about doing without food. It's about doing without that, pressing yourself down, and then filling that spot with time with God so that he can fill you because he is the ultimate nourishment for our life. And if we will get this moment right, I believe that God's going to do something incredible, that we're setting the stage for him to do something. And we're going to do that this week. Join with us. Listen, I'm not the fast police. So don't call me this week and say, can I eat this? Can I do this? I'm not going to answer I'm not going to answer it. I'm not going to answer your emails for that specific thing. If you email me about something else, I'll answer that. But don't ask me about your fast. It's between you and God. Tune your ear. You have the same access to God that I have. Start listening. He's speaking, church. He wants you to hear it. Today, this story is, is an interesting story. And I kind of want to set the tone for you in Matthew chapter 21 because it's traditionally an Easter type of message. It's, it's known as the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem where he rides in and he's heading to the cross. Uh, he knows that. Not everybody knows that. But as he rides into the city, the, the city erupts because they're wanting something from him. And that's why they scream out like, Messiah, Hosanna, save us. And, and if you could just put yourself there for a second as he's riding in the city on a donkey and they're screaming out and it says that some of them took their robes and they laid it down because he's the king, he's King Jesus, right? And they're waving branches and this is a huge celebration moment, this massive parade with the king of kings riding in and yet he looks at these faces. These are the same faces that when really in just hours, a couple days would be the same faces that would pull out his beard. Punch him in the face, be a part of the whipping, the flogging, the tearing of flesh from his back and spitting on him and cursing him and watching him hang on a cross and die for the weight of all the sin, past, present, and future of the world. It's the same people, and as Jesus rides into the city, he knows this. He knows this. Just like he knows today as we stand in here today and say, you reign above it all, you reign above it all. We say that, and he knows that this week we will fail him. We will walk away from him at times, and he loves us the same. And it's an incredible love story. It's an incredible exchange rate, if you will, that we take all of our garbage, all the things that, that, that we bottle up inside of us, and we just throw them at Jesus, and he gives us grace and peace and mercy and truth and hope and life and abundant life. That's what he says. I've come that you would have life and have it more abundantly. And so it's a tremendous thing. It's a tremendous picture. It's a tremendous story and a tremendous truth that Jesus wrote in as king. But here's what I know about kings. Kings typically want to live in the palace. You know that? They, they like to go to the palace. Most kings aren't hanging out in the ghetto. 
they're not doing that, right? They're not, they're not going to live in, in, in subsidized housing. They want to like, I want, I want everybody to know, and I want to be protected, and I want to be surrounded by this. And it's something, it's something huge that we have to get right today, and that Jesus got right, and he, he was the king, and he is the king, but we didn't find him going to Herod's door, knocking on the door, and saying, King Herod, you're in my house, get out. We, didn't, we don't see him doing that. We see him go somewhere else. It says in verse 12, and this is where I want to pick up today, after all this hoopla and pomp and circumstance, it says that Jesus entered the temple. And he began to drive out all of the buying and selling, all of the people buying and selling animals for sacrifice. And he knocked over the tables of money changers and the chairs of those selling doves. Now that's one verse. But there's a lot in this verse, church. There was a lot inside of this because something happened. Again, he didn't ride in as, as the king they thought he was going to be. He didn't come in on a big stallion. He came in on a lowly donkey, and, and it was something different. But now we see him teaching in the temple. This is, this is not something that he did once. It says in Luke 19, 47, that after that he taught daily in the temple, but leading priests and teachers of religious law and other leaders of the people began planning how to kill him. He knew that. He knew that, and yet he still went there to process, to push forward, to teach, to show us the way, right? To show us the way. Now, if you look at the temple, there's a couple different places in the temple. One is kind of this, of course, these outer courts, but then there's like other section where people gathered inside, and then there's one place where only the priests were allowed to go. Jesus went to church. He went to temple. He was comfortable in the temple. He'd pretty much been there almost since, the, since day one. We know on the eighth day that he was circumcised, Right? And then we know that, that it was a comfortable place for him. He understood a couple of things about life. Anybody ever heard that there's two most important days of your life? The day you were born and the day you figure out why. Jesus knew why he was born. That's a heavy load. Some of you are still trying to figure this out. Like, why was I born? I'll spare you the whole figuring out process. You were made to worship God. That's what you were made for in every way, in every word, and how you walk and talk and drive and live and how you interact with your family and your friends and in this church and outside of this church and at Sedano's and Publix and all over the place. God wants you living for him, worshiping him all the way along. Well, Jesus had, had known this since the beginning, and, and he could have longed for the luxurious places of earth like the palace, but he didn't. And here's what I would say about this for you. Stop wasting time. Jesus was on mission. We got to be on mission. Stop wasting time. Move toward your God-given purpose immediately. Now listen, yesterday was important, but I can't do a thing about yesterday. But I can do something about this afternoon. I can do something about now, and I can do something about tomorrow. So I begin to set my mind, set my heart, fix my thoughts, right? Fix the things on the things of Christ, constantly pushing in and moving towards my God-given purpose. Listen, not not down the line, immediately, immediately, and this is why I'm like, I'm driving for this, because again, yesterday is gone, but if you don't feel the speeding up process of life, then you are lulled to sleep, you are, you are out of touch with reality if you don't feel what's going on, so get on track immediately, and the Lord's going to do some things, uh, not just in his story, but in our lives today, even, even as he got older, where was he at? His parents journeyed, journeyed to Passover. They went, and they were planning, and as they left, it says they left, and this is in Luke chapter 2. You can find it. They lost Jesus. 
How did he, how did he lose the son of God? <laughs> they had been told, Mary had been told, Joseph had been told, you know, I, our manger scene this year, I lost baby Jesus. Don't worry, I found him. He was at the bottom of the bag. <laughs> um, I had him in a bag wrapped up in foam, but I lost baby Jesus. And I broke his arm and his head too. Can you believe that? This is not good. I should probably do better with that. But as we understand, they lost him. It says that three days later, they finally discovered him where? In the temple. This is a comfortable place for him. It says he was sitting among the religious teachers and listening to them and asking questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And his parents didn't know what to think. Son, his mother said to him, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been frantic, searching for you everywhere. This is, a, this is an interesting question. I never saw this till first service. I never saw it like this. Why did you need to search, he asked. This is highlighted for me in the 9 o'clock service. See, when you're close to Jesus, you don't have to go looking for him. <laughs> right? I don't need it. I don't know. Like my, my wife, I know where she's at most of the time. She's, right, she's in the office next to me, and she ride, we ride to work together, and we hang out, and we eat together. I know where she's at. I'm like, where's my wife? You know what I mean? But some of you are like, I feel like God has departed. God, where are you? You've left me out here, and he hasn't. We've departed him. If you stay close to him all the single t- every single day, every single moment, every single day, you won't have to worry about what he is or where he is. You will know him for who he is, and you will experience it. He says, didn't you know that I'm must be in my father's house but they didn't understand what he meant one version says i must be about my father's business you guys are bible people business well i got business to attend to now everybody here has business to attend to you might not even have a job but you got business right some of you are retired it's like you need to retire from retirement right because you're busier now than you ever were before and that's the way it is everybody's busy and we got business and we're gonna god i'm gonna i'm gonna get it right as soon as my business is handled, I will make it about you, Lord. See, Jesus understood about spending time with God. Very often, he pulled away from the world, from the crowds, from the ones who were like, oh, you're so amazing, teach us, you just show us. They were wanting something from him, but he understood that he needed to take some time, get alone with God. Solitude with the Lord is important. Why? Because time with God changes your worldview. Now listen, I used worldview on purpose. I went... I kind of typed so many different words here, and I said, no, we need our worldview changed. <laughs> we need we need, to, we need to do it. And here's what I say, and you, you might get mad and upset about this, and I'm just going to say get over it. Um, but listen to this. Stop letting the news shape you and let God shape you. I don't care which source you listen to. You listen to it too much. Right? Because really, any of it is too much. I need to listen to the voice of God. And if I'm not spending any time with God, and I'm not getting alone, and I've always got this channel on, or this channel on, or this on, or this podcast, I'm filling myself with all this garbage that I can't hear. Jesus understood that he had to get alone to hear from his heavenly Father so that he could do the work of the ministry and model what was for us to live like. Listen to this. The sooner you are about your Father's business, the sooner you'll be at peace. Everybody here wants peace. Everybody. I say this to you almost every week because this whole world is in chaos. There's no, uh, they can't seem to find peace. That's because they're trying to do it without God because you cannot find peace without God. It is impossible. It's not going to happen. You can do this. You can travel here, go here, go there, do this, buy this thing. It doesn't. You can't get it at Walmart or Publix or anywhere. Right? I can't give it to you. It's from God. And the sooner you will get on God's plan, 
and his purpose and your destiny, the path to your destiny, which is God's plan for you, the sooner you'll be at peace. And we're just warring with this. So what happens here? What happens? Jesus goes in here, right? Luke 12, he enters the temple and he begins to drive out all the people buying and selling animals. And he knock, knocks the tables of the money changers and the chairs over. Whew. And some of you are going, that doesn't sound like Jesus. And I go, to me, that sounds a lot like Jesus. Somewhere along the line, a lot of people have painted Jesus as some kind of sissy. Let's be very clear about this. Jesus was a man's man. One, he was a carpenter. I did a little bit of work with my friend Mike the last couple weeks, and man, I just have more respect for anybody who runs a saw, right? I was just trying to, I was just trying to cut, like not cut my fingers off, you know what I mean? Uh, but Jesus was a carpenter, but not only that, think about this for a second. This guy rides in. Looks at people, the same one I told you, they're going to, they're, oh, Jesus, Jesus, you're the best, right? Save us, save us, save us. And then they're, they're killing him, and he doesn't say anything at the moment. How many of you can look at somebody you knew was going to trash you in just a few hours? Look at them and just smile. Bless you. <laughs> we couldn't do it, right? We struggled. Not only that, he goes to, he takes a lashing. I mean, a lashing. One, probably one stripe from death, legally. And then carries a cross all the way over there. And then hangs for, for the, the sin of the world, past, present, and future. He hangs. He does all of that. That's a man's man. That's no sissy. And yet he operates in compassion and grace and truth. And it's something so amazing. And so when he walks into the temple, he's a, he knew what he, was, what he was walking into. He knew where he was going. And he knew some things had to change. And he begins to turn over the tables. Why? Why is he flipping tables? Because they needed to be flipped. We're going to unpack this just a little bit because probably most everybody here has a spiritual table in your life that doesn't need to be there. Now, I'm going to meddle just a little bit. This is for whatever it is in your life. If, if you talk to my family, they're sitting over here. They, they know I don't like flat surfaces. I don't like tables and stuff. You know why? Because stuff always gets stacked on them. Always. If you put, if we, we had a little table in the office over there, and it's just like people walk by and they're like, mm. it's like storage. You know what I mean? We have a kitchen table. We have a couch. We have an ottoman. I'm talking about my house. And then, and then we have this little desk. And I want to get rid of the desk, but I'm in the minority of that, and everybody wants to keep the desk. And I look at the desk every day, and I'm like, there's just so much stuff on the desk. I don't know why there's so much stuff. Where do we get this stuff? It's like bills and books, and we've probably got like six Bibles on there, right? How blessed are we that we just have Bibles stacked up in this country? Literally stacked up. I got this version, that version. I got electronic. I got my iPad. I got the ESV, the NLT, the new, uh, new, new American Standard. I got, we got all this stuff. It's just stacked up. I'm not talking necessarily about that. I'm talking about the thing in your life that you have set up out of convenience. Because what we're looking at here is really sacrifice. Jesus understood this, that these guys were here selling convenient sacrifices. Convenient sacrifices. When we talk about the biblical idea of sacrifice, we're really concerned with the approach towards God. We have the highest view of this. 
the highest view of this. You, you might not like what it says in there, but we have the, the highest view of Scripture. We will never shift all that. We have fun, and we wear boots and jeans and all of that, and we play loud music, and it's a good time. But we have the highest view of Scripture and of God. We're never going to dumb that down. And so when we talk about the sacrifice, we need, to, we need to be very clear about how we approach God and the importance of getting this right. And it's less about this all the time, and it's more about just the heart. And God sees that. And there's a sacrifice of praise, and there's a sacrifice of thanksgiving, and we can never do this out of convenience and this is what was happening these people were approaching God they weren't prepared at all riding up to the temple last second because in the old covenant with with God and man what he said was there has to be a blood sacrifice from the beginning of time when Adam and Eve failed God shows up and you know we don't get all of the details in this but apparently he got some skins to clothe them in their nakedness after they messed up right and so there's some animals that had to go away and he's saying he modeled that for them to say you need grace in your life Adam and Eve Cain and Abel what do they do they, they made sacrifices to God and we don't actually understand it if you just read Genesis alone we say why did God accept Abel's sacrifice but not Cain's it says in Hebrews, God accepted Abel's because he had faith with it. As soon as we start just coming to this building and checking it off the list, then something has gone very, very wrong with us. And, and God has devoted so many scriptures, so many Bible verses explaining to his people what he wants from them. The whole Leviticus, the whole of Leviticus and Levitical law. And nobody's like thrilled about reading Leviticus, you know what I mean? But it's, it shows how much that God cared about how we approach him and the details of that and getting things right. And, and since the beginning of time, he has been doing this, church. And so why would we not focus on this and get this moment right? Christ died right later on on is the new sacrifice, the all-sufficient sacrifice, the perfect sacrifice, the New Testament tells us, and, and this is the reason that we are truly allowed to live. But Jesus hadn't died yet, and so he sees these people, and I think his heart is broken, and say, so how dare we show up, run in last second, right? I haven't prepared anything. I didn't get my spotless lamb. I didn't get my two turtle doves. I didn't do anything. I just show up and like throw two shekels or, or two coins over here and say, God, quick, give me two doves. Is it, is it buy one, get one? What's the deal here? Is it BOGO? I mean, I, I need a little break here. And then I go in and I throw them at the priest and say, make the sacrifice. Make the atonement. Make me at one with God. Atonement, at one with. Make me, just make it happen. And the priest goes in, does his thing, and we're like, okay, good. I feel really good about myself. Now I can go do what I want. Man, what are we doing? What are we doing? Yes, God sent his son as Jesus. It says that he is, the old word is propitiation or the satisfaction for our sin. There was a satisfaction covering. That means you owe him. I owe him everything. At the least, my life is a living sacrifice, pleasing and acceptable. Romans chapter 12 says this, I mean, that we would get this right. And we talk about turning homestead upside down with the gospel of Jesus Christ. But let me tell you something. I don't think that's going to happen until some tables in our own lives start getting flipped upside down. And the, and the tables are, are stacked with just convenience. Convenient Christianity. 
casual Christianity. It, it's, it doesn't even make sense. It's an oxymoron, the, the, the convenient sacrifice. And that's how we live, the convenient sacrifice. The world makes things so convenient for us. What needs to be flipped over in our lives? Listen to this. He says this. He said, he said to them, the scriptures declare, after he flips the tables, I'm talking about Jesus flipping tables, like, boom. Let me just get that picture in your head and let, get it, let it get in your heart. And the thing that's sitting there that just has a bunch of stuff on it that shouldn't be there, that needs to be thrown out, gets flipped upside down. And it's jarring. It says he chased them out. Something needs to be chased out of our lives. It says, as he said, the scriptures declare my temple will be, I think that's important, will be called a house of prayer, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. And I've heard this verse my whole life, my whole life. And I've never thought so much about thieving as I have this week. I think there's different levels of robbing here. Uh, I, I don't know about you, but for one, I don't want to be guilty of, of connecting with God out of convenience. Let's just get that out of the way. Listen to this. Practicing convenient Christianity robs God of his time with you. That's what Jesus was concerned about. He's showing up and the people are just, they're not, they're not there to spend time with God. That's not why they were there. They were there out of guilt and shame. When do most people, when do most people go to the Lord when we're in trouble? Right? Oh God, if you get me out of this, I promise to worship at your feet for all of eternity. Right? And he delivers, and then we flake out again. And then we show up again. God, please, just one more time. You know my heart, Lord. You know that I love you. I feel like you got some special sauce with him or something that he just pours over you and everything is taken care of. But listen to this. When you connect with God only in convenient times, you're thieving that time that is due him. Why? Because you belong to him. You're purchased. The satisfaction was taken care of. That means you. Listen to this. I don't need a house filled with convenience. I need a house filled with the power of the Holy Spirit and with grace and truth. And I'm not talking about just this house. I'm talking about this temple and how I live and the house that I live over down in Keysgate and all of that. I want it filled with the power of the Holy Spirit that I would live in this every single day, church. There's an aching in us that's happening. The psalmist wrote in 27, 4, he said, The thing that I seek the most is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Really? Let's get honest for a second, right? Ari Tori said this. He said, we're too busy to pray. And so we're too busy to have power. We have a great deal of activity, but we accomplish little. We don't have time to pray. I'll pray as soon as this is taken care of. And again, as I said earlier, if I, if I just get this taken care of, this taken care of, this, then, then the rest is yours, God. You already messed it up. Matthew 6.33, see, first the kingdom of God. See, this first. Or when, when everything's taken care of, then I'll give to God. No, you won't. Not of your time, not of your talent, not of your treasure. You won't do it later if you're not doing it now. So we begin to set things up, and I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm so, so concerned about serving the Lord, and, you know, I'm so concerned at times about serving the Lord and getting it right, and all the while I'm walking around this table in my life. It's got all my convenience. Table. God's just wanting to rip this joker <laughs> and flip it up in the air and, and kick it out of the house. 
Listen, I know some of you are like, I want to be used by God. I want to know, know what you want me to do. God, just show me. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. But we, again, we're not spending any time of prayer, and we're thieving his time. And, and, and if man, A.W. Tozer said, if man wants to be used by God, he cannot spend all of his time just running around or with people. He can't, you can't do that. You've got to spend some time talking to the Lord. And so many people walk into this place every single week feeling unworthy. You know why we feel unworthy all the time? One, because we are in the presence of God, but, but, but more importantly this is because we don't live sacrificially. Because when you come here and you actually get your heart right, I mean, you actually get the sacrifice, right? The sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. And let me tell you something. Some of you are stingy with your praise. I'm going to be honest. It's just honest. I'm not saying you need to praise like me. But, man, we will go to the games and paint ourselves colors. And we'll spend $100 on a Tua jersey. That's my team. Yo. But we won't, we won't lift up our hands to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That's stingy. That's stingy. Listen to this. Sacrifice isn't only here. It's here, church. And I said this a few weeks ago, but I want you to hear it again. I think we're going to drive this point home. I don't remember who it was. I don't remember. But the preacher said that we think that the altar, we call this an altar. Sometimes we have people come forward and we pray for them. And it's not like this is some special place. God can meet you anywhere. He's no respecter of persons or places. He wants to touch your life in your car and everywhere, right? But we think that, that God, the glory of God falls right here. We think that. But as I told you a few weeks ago, it's not that. The preacher said, God's glory falls on the sacrifice. This, without you coming and saying, this is yours, God, it's all yours, 100% of it, the living sacrifice, without that, God's still going to do his work, right? He's going to get done what he wants, but, but something needs to be flipped upside down us. We need to become a praying church. And here's the truth, we're not. I know I'm pushing in a little bit. But come on. And we pray. We need to become a praying church. Again, we, we mostly just approach God out of, oh, I'm in trouble. That's not even real pray, prayer. That's whining and complaining. That's not prayer. Watchman Nee, the great Christian martyr, said, prayer is work, and real prayer is real work. It's self-denying work. It's self-denying work, right, that we, that we would get this right. And check this out. He says this. The disciples, they saw Jesus do so much. You know what I mean? They saw him do so much. I'm just going to water into wine, walk on water. Lazarus come out of the tomb. Lazarus was dead for days. Lazarus come out of the They saw that. Healing the blind, healing the sick, lepers, so many miracles. They had seen all of this and they could have asked and they had other questions. But listen as Luke 11 and it said once Jesus was in a certain place, what was he doing? Praying. He understood the importance of it. And he finished. And one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us how to do miracles. Lord, teach us how to raise money. Lord, teach us how to be a better CEO and leader. 
Isn't that what they said? Lord, teach us how to pray. Teach us how to pray. Because I'm, I'm messed up. And I got, I got needs in my life. And a lot of times the first thing I want to run to, do, to God to do is like, God, I just fix all of this stuff. It's crazy. It's crazy. And, and he knows and he hears and he's just like in his, in his compassionate way. Just come a little closer, Richard. Let me wrap you up in my arms of love and I want to teach you something. I want to teach you something. I want to show you something. You know what he wants to show us most in our life? It's himself. It's himself. And he told him after that, he goes in, he said, this is, you want to know how to pray? Pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins. We forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. It's the Lord's prayer. Pray like this. It's not hard. Just start with this, and most of us can stop right here. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Because until we get that right, we're just tables. Got this table in my life, this table in my life. I got tables on mine, and we're going to get it super convenient, super, super convenient. And just when everything's right, and the lights are just right, and the, the AC's just right, and everything's just right, then, then. Martin Luther said, to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. Don't even tell me you're Christ-like or little Christ or Christ follower if you're not praying, if you're not talking to God. Shut the noise around you. Be quiet. Be still. Listen to the Lord. Put your focus on God. All the things that we know is right. And, and those things that we're looking for in life, the things like peace, the biggest thing that people are after, the older you get, the more peace you want. You know what I'm talking about? I just want to be, I just want to feel secure. <laughs> right? I just want to know that everything's taken care of. Like I said, I just want to get where my Uncle Rob is one day. Isaiah 26, 3 says this is you will keep in perfect peace all who trust you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Pack the house. Get rid of the garbage and the tables. Let, let Jesus flip some of that stuff up. I mean, let him flip it up and clean it out and, and drive out all the garbage in your life so that he can fill his temple, your life, your heart, his home full of himself. It can't be full of himself if it's full of a bunch of other stuff too. Stand with me real quick. I got a couple more thoughts I want to share with you as we close. Somebody once said the greatest tragedy of life is not an unanswered prayer, but an unoffered prayer. I'll leave you with, the, with this quote. Francois Fenelon said, I, I would have no desire other than to accomplish thy will. Well, that's a, that's a whole prayer in itself, right? To accomplish thy will. Teach me to pray. Pray thyself in me. God, fill me. Not the baddest. Less, less of me, God. More of you. Mold me. Make me after 
thy will while I'm waiting. Yielded and still the old hymn said, God, mold me, shape me, potter's wheel, break me down, get rid of the stuff, the pure. Fill me with you, God. Fill me, fill me, fill me. We talk about filling, but we just fill ourselves constantly, day in and day out, with so much garbage. Bow your heads with me, please. Right where you're at, nobody's looking around. Just turn your hands toward heaven. You can leave them low. Just turn them towards heaven. The posture of receiving. Holy Spirit, I, I know you're here. That alone is settling. God, you're in this room. It's the promise we hold to, Lord, that you will never leave us or forsake us. Sometimes we're just, just a knucklehead, goofing around, playing around. We've got tables full of convenience as we approach you. For that, I say I'm sorry, God. God, we're sorry for the way we've approached you at times. And you're so gracious to us. You said that we could boldly come into your throne room of grace. And we do, Lord, but we want to come right. We want to come with clean hands and pure hearts. God, make us holy. Make us hungry. Let us be honest with ourselves, Lord. You already know. God, I just want to say thank you for cleaning the house. Thank you for flipping the tables. God, I just pray across this room right now that there's tables just begin to flip in the hearts of people. That addictions will be broken in Jesus' name. That heal, heal relationships, marriages right now, God. Heal families right now. Parents with children, just some, some tense relationships. God, I just pray for healing right now. I pray for healing in the bodies. If you need healing in your body, just receive it today. The Lord is here. God, we're waiting for you. Still, hungry, quiet. God, we trust you. Trust you. Again, we're sorry for the things we've messed up, Lord, and we're thankful that you made a way to fix all those things. We just slide it over to you and we say, take it all, God. Not the largest portion of our life, but the whole thing. God, you've got it all, and that we would become the living sacrifices that you have called us to, holy and acceptable in your sight, God. We love you, Lord. Thank you for humbling yourself even to the point of death on a cross. Made a way for us. Now, Lord, teach us how to pray. Teach us how to worship. Help us to go after you with everything. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Can we put our hands together for the word of God, church? Let me tell you, hang with me just, just a second. I want to remind us.
about a couple things. One, thank you for being here today. Uh, again, this, this fast that I've called us to, listen. Your primary responsibility with the Lord is to listen and obey, okay? He will tell you what to do. There's no secret sauce to it. Just There's no magic bullet. Just, just do what the Lord tells you to do. Read about fasting in Scripture. If you need help, you want to talk a little bit more about it, we can do that. But there's, there's things that, that, that Scripture says that this is how you break these things with this, this kind of fast, to break these kind of chains in your life. Some of you need that, and I promise you the Lord will speak clear to you as you become less and he becomes more in your life. That's a, that's a great promise. I love you guys. I'm praying for you continually. Thank you for, for continuing to come back in the middle of a pandemic. We trust God with everything that's inside of us. We believe in him. He's taking care of us. He's taking care of us for a year now. He's not going to stop taking care of us. We're believing for more, more, more. There's always more with God, right? Siempre mas. It's, it's always more with him. And so we're diving in to what he has for us. I love you guys. The connection cards in the back, giving in the back. Let's pray our benediction together. Father, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O oh Lord, my strength and my redeemer. God bless you, Life Point.